You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. should be a spirit of worship to God. We should, we should walk in the, the, the knowledge that He's with us. Scripture says He'll never leave nor forsake us. He sent us the Holy Spirit that would guide us and lead us into all truth, that would be with us so that we wouldn't be orphans left aside. We should walk in a spirit of worship. And we're going to read shortly when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman. He said, God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that the Bible calls you to live a life of worship. What does that mean? Singing worship songs all day long? It could. Worship is the act of ascribing worth to God. So with this new definition, what are some ways that you can ascribe worth to God in your everyday life? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 as he begins his message, A Study in Contrast. You are All the focus has been on Elkanah and the birth of his son through his wife Hannah. They named him Samuel. Last week, we read and studied the beautiful song of Hannah, a prayer. She sings this prayer after leaving her three-year-old son, Samuel, with Eli the priest and his wicked sons. You have to admire the faith of this lady. She had vowed to God that had God given her a son, then she would indeed dedicate him back to the Lord, and that's exactly what she did. It was indeed a beautiful, beautiful prayer of praise and worship to God. Hannah was praying from her heart and rejoicing at the same time. It's a heartfelt prayer. If you weren't here for the study, go back and read verses 1 through 11 for yourselves and and, and look at the beautiful structure of this song or or prayer. It reads very, very much like a psalm, which is a, a song of praise. So it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. While Hannah was praying, she was thinking about how God was blessing the nation, Israel, as well as he was blessing her and her family. I'm sure that she felt relief because she no longer had to put up with her rival, Penaniah's looks and nananananas, because she had this son. But more importantly, she was praising the Lord for his faithfulness. She was praising the Lord for the work of his mighty hand. She was giving him glory. She was giving him honor. She was giving him praise, which is so do his name. And, and I don't know, you know, we were, the guys were talking about this. We would hope that you realize what we do before we study the word of God. We call it worship. We're basically singing songs of praise. We're opening up our hearts and allowing the Spirit to move in our hearts and through our hearts. It's a very, very important time. 
Very important time. It does a lot of things. Not only does it prepare our hearts to receive whatever God might have for us, but it draws us close to God. It gets us into his presence, so to speak. Now we know scripture. You know it as well as I do. Wherever three or more are gathered, I will appear in their midst. So he's, he's here. But when you sing those praises to him, you might lift your hands in honor of him in recognition of him, in submission to him. You might praise him and and sing out with a loud voice. Something happens. Something happens in your heart. But that's not all the time that we worship him. We should walk in a spirit of worship. Our whole life should be a spirit of worship to God. We should should walk in the, the, the knowledge that he's with us. Scripture says he'll never leave nor forsake us. He sent us the Holy Spirit that would guide us and lead us into all truth, that would be with us so that we wouldn't be orphans left aside. We should walk in a spirit of worship. And we're going to read shortly when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman, he said, God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's so important. So, so important that we get that picture of worshiping our God continually, continually in an act of worship. And that's what I see Hannah doing. That's what I saw her doing. Hannah knew in her heart that the Lord was going to use her son, and he was going to use him to accomplish great things among the people of Israel. She believed that with all her might. Her worship came straight from her heart and was filled with joy. It wasn't lemon-sucking worship. It was joyful worship. Pleasing worship. There was excitement in the way she worshiped. She wasn't afraid to lift her hands and declare God is her God. She didn't care if anybody saw her. Remember, Eli was watching. The priest was watching her pray. And he even called her on it. How are you drunk? Your lips are moving, but I don't hear anything. Worship is so important to us. Hannah declared the majesty of the Lord. She declared his grace and his sovereignty. She sang of protection. She sang of his provisions. And she also prophesied and sang of the coming Messiah, his anointed one. And you can read that in verse um, 10b. Speaking, Hannah speaking, he, God, will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And we said, this is the first time anointed is mentioned, meaning Messiah. This is the first time it's mentioned. His Messiah, God's anointed, God's Messiah would come. And she's looking forward to God's Messiah coming. She's looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ, God's Messiah. Beautiful, beautiful thing. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Horn always means strength. Always means strength. She was looking forward to that. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of Christ in the Old Testament. What a gorgeous picture. Then in verse 11, we see Hannah and her husband Elkanah leaving their son and returning to their home in Ramah. Their hearts are filled with joy and great expectations. They couldn't wait to see what the Lord was going to do. They couldn't wait to see what the Lord was going to do. Look at verse 11. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. This exemplifies worship. 
This exemplifies worship, and it's what it truly is. Trusting, believing, being confident in the Lord's ability to accomplish those things he says he's going to do. This is faith in action. We read God's word. We study God's word. We quote God's word. But do we truly believe God's word and act on it like it's true? Here, Elkanah is acting on it. Hannah is acting on God's word. They're leaving their child there, knowing that the Lord has a mighty plan, and his plan is better than theirs. Wow. What great faith. We talked about this last week. This is how we should leave our prayer closets. We should leave our prayer closets singing a song of praise. We should leave our prayer closets with joy. Our countenance should be completely changed because we just talked to the creator of the universe. We just spoke to God Almighty. We just spoke to him and requested of him various things. And we know that if if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He does it. That should give us joy. That should give us happiness. And we should be leaving our prayer closet, clicking our heels together. We should be confident in the Lord's ability to do above all we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. Nothing is impossible with God. Do we understand that? We say that. It comes off so glibly from our lips. Oh, nothing's impossible for God. Yeah, but do you believe it? Do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? And do you live that way? I know I don't at times. I don't at times. I wish I did all the time. My How my life would change if that was my mindset all the time. But I always looked around and said, nothing's impossible with God. I have a son who is a paranoid schizophrenic who lives in Wildwood, who is going through a deep depression right now. And it's very, very troubling to me. And he calls me four, five, six times a day. He can't get out of this deep depression. I'm, I'm worried about him. I'm fearful for him. My heart cries out to him. I need to believe that nothing is impossible with God. And I need to walk in that confidence and say, okay, Lord, he's yours. He's yours. I should have that confidence because that's what the Word of God tells me to do. But I have to admit there are times when I do not. There are times when I do not. And I need to pray like like the man in the gospel. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. Help me. I see this in Hannah, and now Elkanah, her husband. What faithfulness, what, what, what strength of the Lord that they had. But as we now continue in chapter 2, everything shifts. The whole focus now shifts. And from verses chapter 2, verse 12, to chapter 3, 21, we take a look into another family. We start looking at another family. It's the family of Eli the priest and his two sons. And as we go through this section, I want you to continually look for the contrast that God is putting there for us. The Holy Spirit is giving us a contrast. It's a study in contrast. On one hand, you have Elkanah, Hannah, and Samuel. On the other hand... You have Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. And it's a study in contrast as you look at the two. While the sons of Eli didn't know the Lord, actually they abhorred the offering of the Lord, says in verse 17, Samuel ministered to the Lord. Samuel was ministering to the Lord at a very, very young age. The two brothers committed evil deeds at the tabernacle, which invited God's judgment. 
while Samuel served at the tabernacle. He was in service at the tabernacle, and he grew in the favor of God. Because of the actions of Eli and his two sons, the priestly line would end. The priestly line would end with them. But Samuel would be called off by God to carry on a holy priesthood. It's interesting that from a human point of view, it seems as though the sons of Eli were actually getting away with their disobedience. But, much to their surprise, God was preparing for them a great judgment all along, equipping Samuel to continue the work he called them to do. (laughs) Obviously, Hophni and Phinehas were ignorant to the law of reaping and sowing. They're very ignorant to that law. Turn for a second to the book of Galatians. General Electric Power Company. G, Galatians. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap the Spirit everlasting life. Everlasting life. I believe that every man sows every single day. Every single day we live, we sow. We either sow to the flesh or we sow to the spirit. We live in a very, very difficult age. And it is very, very difficult not to sow to the flesh in the age in which we live. In the age in which we live, it's extremely difficult not to sow to the flesh. Extremely difficult. There are websites. And the sole purpose of these websites is to get you to sow to the flesh, to get you to be excited about what you see visually and excite the flesh and excite the desires of the flesh and incite and inflame the flesh. There are movies that come out that are geared to excite the flesh, whether all the violence or all the sex. So many different things. It gets the flesh excited. Don't be deceived, Paul says. If you're hindered by these movies, if these movies bother you, don't watch them. Don't watch them. If you look at these websites, you you feed your flesh. You are going to reap in the flesh corruption. Don't be deceived. You cannot feed both at the same time. And the one you feed the most will be the strongest. Many of us have problems with our fleshly simply because we sow to the flesh. You know, our eye is an important gate. It's an important gate into the soul, into our soul. Our eyes are an important gate into our soul. We are affected by what you see. The best way to keep that is close them. Close the gate. Close the gate. Don't let it in. You heard that old saying, garbage in, garbage out? Well, that's what happens. And that's what happens. But we're all sowing. We're either sowing to the flesh or we're sowing to the spirit. And what you sow, you're going to reap. It's natural. It's the way of life. Farmer goes out and he sows corn. He expects corn to come up. That's that's the theory. You don't throw corn out and look for onions. 
Don't be deceived. It's a beautiful thing that we can sow to the Spirit. That's what we're doing. We are sowing to the Spirit. Thy way, O Lord, is life and is spirit, John says in 663. The Word of God is alive, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut between the bone and the marrow, between the soul and the spirit. The Word of God feeds our spirit, and as we sow to the spirit, the spirit is going to reap everlasting life. Now, you don't have to believe it. You can sit there and be grumpy and look like, oh, yeah, sure. You can, I don't, that doesn't matter. But the Bible says it. It's right there. Try it. Go out and reap to your flesh. Your free will, free choice. See what happens. So what are we planning in tonight? It's so vital because what I'm planning in is going to come out. If I'm planning my flesh, my flesh is going to come out. If I'm planning my spirit, my spirit's going to come out. How important it is in these last days that we sow to the spirit. Very important that we sow to the spirit. These are horrible days in many, many, many ways. Everything we have is designed to take us away from the Lord, and especially this thing. Everything we have is designed to take us away from the Lord. It's all designed to pull us away. Oh, but I have my Bible on there. Yeah, how many times do you read it? Come on, let's be real here. Everything we have is designed to absorb our time, including that monster box I have in my house. So easy to turn that thing on. You turn it on just for a while, all of a sudden, and you're glued to it, and you're zoomed in. Sit down to watch a football game on Sunday afternoon. Sit down there and turn that on. I'm enjoying the football game. The great thing, and I love football, baseball, anything, and all of a sudden the commercials come on. What? It's amazing. Can't even enjoy a football game without fleshly things coming at you, being thrown at you. Something as simple as a football game. You watch the commercials they have with Charlie Brown's Christmas. You watch. You know, there's a reason why when we were kids, when we watched cartoons on Saturday mornings, all the commercials were about toys. There was a reason. Have you ever noticed one thing about commercials? If you have little kids, they're doing all kinds of things. Playing while the movie's on or the show's on. But as soon as the commercials come on, something about they go, and they turn and they look. And they stare. And as soon as the commercial's over, they go back to playing with their toys. We sow. We sow. We sow. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And you will see that even though the sons of Eli think they're getting something over on God, Next week, you'll find out that they do not get anything over on God. In fact, God comes down heavily upon the whole family. God comes down heavily upon the family. So now the contrast begins. Let's look at 12. In verses 12 through 21, we see just how disobedient these wicked sons were. And they're sowing practices, actually, from 12 to 17. Let's read. The sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought out. So they did in Shiloh all the Israelites who came here. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat. For roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat 
from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would say, no, but you must give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was greatly, very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, over in verse 22, we see the first first part of the sentence says, Eli was very old. Eli is up in years now. And he basically begins to leave the priestly duties to his sons. But in verse 12, it says they were corrupt. The sons were corrupt. Actually, literally, Hebrew calls them the sons of Baal. We know that Baal is a pagan god. And the phrase here calls them basically wicked, worthless men. They practice open lawlessness. That's what the Bible's calling them. And then the next thing we said, they didn't know the Lord. Wait a minute, they were priests. He says they didn't know the Lord. They had no knowledge of God. They had no fear of God. They did not know the Lord. You know, there are many people in our circle who put on a great front. But in their hearts, they are ignorant to the things of God. Oh, they know all the Christianese. They know what to say. They come every Sunday. Even some people come every Wednesday. And they're very, very, even people are active. But they don't know God. They have no knowledge of him. They don't know his character because they don't know his word. They don't spend time reading. They disrespect God's word by not allowing the word of God to change their lives. I am who I am, and you can't change me. This is the way I am. They listen time and time again, but no avail. They believe it's all for someone else. I love it when somebody comes to me, oh, such and such should have been here for the sermon today. That was for him or her. Well, not exactly. You were here, so it really was for you. It wasn't for someone else. It was for you. This is sad. Many children grow up in a Christian home are in the same boat today. They think that just because their parents are saved, they are too. This is totally false. And this comes directly from Satan. This is a ploy. They kind of assume that they know the Lord because mom and dad do. But young people have to have a passionate commitment to know the Lord for themselves. And knowing about the Lord just isn't enough. We read all through the Gospels that the, evil, the, uh, the spirits knew who God was. They even know who they were, he was. They must have a personal relationship with them all by themselves. These sons didn't know the Lord. And it's mind-boggling to think that they didn't know God. This becomes a significant problem, yeah. A huge problem. Well, number one, a problem for their salvation because they didn't know God. They didn't know of him. They didn't know his commandments and stuff like that. But the biggest problem was yet to be determined because they were going to take over the priesthood. They were going to take over the priesthood. The priesthood was handed down from generation to generation, from father to son to father to son, all the way down. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.